Hello, hello, hello! Welcome to Nonsense and Noise, a podcast about the queer-slash-person-of-color pop culture and media experience. I am your host, Nathan Cotto, and it is uh, November 6th, and you would think that would mean that the weather would behave like it's fall. But um, here in New York City, it has been 70 degrees for a couple days, and I just don't know when fall is happening. I do appreciate the nice weather, but it's also very jarring, and I um, am a little worried about the upcoming winter just because, like, I don't think it's going to be very cold, which is very strange for the East Coast, but you know what? We'll see. Um, I guess climate change isn't real or something. Um, That's a joke. Climate change is real. Um, (laughs) I hope everybody has had a wonderful Halloween um, and a a good start to the beginning of the month. I do know that on the West Coast, things are actually a little bit cooler than normal. I have a friend who is in, or actually friend of the pod, Vesper, has told me that he, um, where he lives, like, they're supposed to get snow today, so that is an interesting development compared to, you know, like, on the other side of the country, or on the other side of the continent, um, it being, like, 70 degrees all weekend, so, um, but yeah, so hope everybody has been well. I have, since I last recorded, um, not really anything too special has happened. I went to a Halloween party, I've been, um, trying to be a little bit more deliberate with, um, trying to keep up and stay in touch with old friends. So like I have um, one friend from uh, high school where I will call her every Thursday on my commute back from work. Um, oh yeah, I'm going into the office twice a week now, so I have to I have to drive. Um, and that drive is about an hour, which isn't too bad, especially like if I'm able to um, just like talk, but I can listen to music, I can like listen to podcasts and stuff. So it's like a nice way to sort of decompress from work, which is, uh, great, but yeah, I still have to go on site, which is kind of a drag, but yeah, I've been, like, using my Thursdays to catch up with that friend via, via phone calls, and, um, that's always really nice. I've been friends with this person for, like, um, probably close to half my life now. Um, we met in my freshman year of high school, so I think that's, uh, what, age of 14? So yeah, we've been friends for, like, 15 years. Been friends for over half my life, actually. So, um, and then I have started also leaving, (laughs) leaving voice notes for one of my other friends. And yeah, I don't know, I've just been, like, trying to be a little bit more deliberate with, like, being present with these friends and stuff, just because, like, friendships are important. So, um, that is sort of, like, something I've been, like, constantly trying to do. I did also finally receive my copy of Bayonetta, like, shortly after date of record, I think, for last episode, and, um, just finished Bayonetta yesterday, um, and it was a really fun game, um, and I'm probably gonna try to look at getting a copy of Bayonetta 2, um, and Bayonetta 3 came out at the end of October, there was, um, I think I mentioned the release in last episode, but I didn't mention, like, any of the controversy and anything that happened, um, around the release, so basically, like, the voice actor for Bayonetta was, like, oh, you should boycott this game because, the game studio really lowballed me and offered me only $4,000 to voice the entire game, um, which ended up being untrue. Um, but, like, after all the backlash, the director of the game was very immature on Twitter and, like, just went around blocking people and then ended up deleting his Twitter account. Um, so that was, you know, that there's that strike. And then it, what was actually discovered by Bloomberg Business was that um, the voice actor for, the original voice actor for Bayonetta, Helena Taylor, 
um, who was, uh, who made this video to boycott Bayonetta 3, um, she actually kind of lied by omission, and, um, the original offer that she got for producing, for, you know, for offering her voice talents to the game was $15,000 for, I think, um, five studio sessions or something like that, and so, yeah, she, she lied by omission, but, like, overall, the takeaway is, like, you know, she shouldn't have lied, and then also, um, voice actors in, in video games really need to be compensated fairly for the work that they're putting out. Um, so that was a sort of interesting thing. But of course, the icing on the cake was just that um, Helena Taylor was like, oh, if you're going to buy Bayonetta, then you should actually consider like donating your money to charity. And she listed like a whole bunch of just like not right wing charities, but she did like offer an like put forth an anti-abortion charity, um, which is like very goofy because considering just in case anybody any of the listeners have not played bayonetta before um bayonetta is like super campy the main character is like very like a very sexy woman with guns like it's it's just like doesn't it doesn't have that sort of conservative vibe it's very weird that she would be like actually if you support me you should like contribute to anti-abortion groups because like i don't know i feel like a lot of what Bayonetta's character is, is very much just, like, you should be free to choose for yourself, um, like, you know, she's a very autonomous character, she's got a lot of independence, um, she's very, you know, she's strong, she's kick-ass, so it's just very strange to think that, like, anyone who enjoyed the game franchise, um, would want to donate to an anti-abortion charity, so, um, that was kind of goofy, um, but I'll get a little bit more into at least the good part of Bayonetta 3 at the end of the episode when we talk about the nonsense. So, um, yeah, I finished finished that. Um, probably going to look at trying to get another, uh, an order of Bayonetta 2 uh, because I liked the game. But I also put in an order for some more video games, um, and that actually transitions quite nicely into the next segment where we talk about um, what's up and coming in video game and movie world. So... Um, for video games, Harvestella came out a couple days ago on November 4th. I talked about it before, but the demo is available in the Nintendo Switch store. Highly recommend trying it. It is a farm sim um, slash like adventure game. Has some sci-fi elements. Um, it's overall pretty cool. Um, I will say that it started very, very slowly, but after you reach a certain point, like very quite early on in the story, actually, it's like maybe... Um, so it goes in like chapters so you like start with the prologue the prologue is very slow but once you hit chapter one and like the story starts actually happening like it's actually pretty good um the farm sim part is like not an an incredibly important part of the game um but if you've played anything like harvest moon in the past or like even stardew valley where you're like doing farming and then also you've got like time management that sort of makes an appearance as well um but it's a really cool game i pre-ordered that and then of course um i also pre-ordered my copy of pokemon violet which is coming in and then um the corresponding game in the series is scarlet so scarlet and violet are coming out on november 18th so in a little bit over a week um and i was finally able to confirm that like two of my friends were gonna have pokemon scarlet availability so i was like great i can get pokemon violet and not feel bad about uh not being able to help friends like help other friends get scarlet uh version exclusives so yeah that that's those are like the two things that i 
pre-ordered and then of course between those two um since i've already mentioned that i figured you know why not also bring three more um other titles in um so coming out on november 8th and a couple days after the date of record is sonic frontiers i was talking to my friend about this um and they are really big sonic fan so um this is uh, another game in the sonic franchise and that's coming out on the 8th and i think it's for the switch um, and then there is God of War Ragnarok coming out the day after that on November 9th. Um, friend of the show, Josh, uh, is a very big fan of um, Norse mythology and like they're a like really big mythology buff and stuff. And so like they are, are very happy with how the mythology has been handled, at least in the first God of War, um, the Norse version. So like I, th- I think... Um, People are pretty excited for this. I personally can't play it because I don't have a PlayStation, and I think God of War is a PlayStation uh, console exclusive, um, and I'm not really intending on getting a PlayStation anytime soon. I'm like, kind of a Nintendo person all the way through. Um, so, yeah, that's God of War. That's coming out, once again, on November 9th, or Dad of Boy. Um, and the last title that I wanted to bring up, which is something that I'm, I'm excited for, still debating whether or not I want to get it or not, um, is Tactics Ogre Reborn uh, coming out on November 11th. This is a tactics game coming from Square Enix. So if you played anything like Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, which is like my first and only entry in the Final Fantasy series or franchise, um, like it's very similar to that. Um, if you played Triangle Strategy, it's also kind of similar to that, I think. Um, it's basically just a revamp of the uh, Tactics Ogre series that Square Enix has been working on before. So, um, yeah, another tactics game. Like I said, I'm thinking about getting it um, just because I am a huge sucker for tactics games. Um, but that's coming out on November 11th. So that's all the video games for now. Um, I know this is kind of a different from the last episode but then again this is normal format where we try and cover like only a few because otherwise i'd be talking about video games forever um and then as for movies i know normally i would talk about the top three upcoming movies that i'm excited about but um for this month uh there are only two that really caught my eyes so the first one obviously is coming out on november 11th is black panther wakanda forever i've heard really good things from folks who went to go see the pre-screening um, and so the cast, of course, is very heavily person of color. Um, there is Letitia Wright, who's playing Shuri. Um, she reprises her role. Um, she's not super great, of course, because she is an anti-vaxxer. The most notable new addition to the roster is Tenoch Huerta, who is going to be playing Namor. He's a Mexican actor, um, and yeah, all the stuff that I've seen so far just looks great, so, um important movie to look out for, or maybe not important, but like definitely an exciting movie that I'm looking forward to going to watch. Um, once again, that's coming out on November 11th. And then the week after that on November 18th is Disenchanted, which is the sequel to the Disney movie Enchanted featuring Amy Adams. Um, the only reason why I thought this was like a cool movie to flag to watch was just, I saw the trailer and it looked really, really good. Um, it's sort of, um, basically the whole plot of Enchanted, just for for those who haven't seen it, so mild spoilers, um, 
basically a Amy Adams character comes from like a, a fairy tale world and like crosses over into the human world and ends up like meeting the love of her life there and like staying in the human world. So I think this movie is exploring like what happens with this person from a fairy tale world where like are they going to be like unhappy with things and so it looks like at least in the movie that she kind of turns into her own villain which i think is interesting um so i'm i'm excited to to take a peek at that um so those are the movies and that's pretty much everything for the pop culture update i'm going to take a quick break and then we will be back with the main content of the show all right and we are back from the break um i do want to say a little peek behind the curtain i like have episode notes together and so when i was trying to do all of the stuff for um or just talk about black panther i totally forgot to write down like the actors to look out for and so like what you didn't hear was like i cut out like probably a solid five minutes of me just like really missing every potential like everything that i wanted to say it was really just awful so um yeah, uh, maybe one day I will, or or never actually, I'm not going to post that because sometimes just the, the backside of making the podcast is just so stinky. <laughs> um, but anyways, so the main thing that I'm going to be talking about today is the movie Bros. Um, it's been over a month since it came out, so I'm going to like be talking about it with like uh there there's of course a spoiler alert if you haven't seen it and you still want to see it um and you don't want spoilers then try and see the movie first and then you can come back and listen um but i will be talking about it and there will be spoilers that i talk about so um yeah i saw the movie and like overall i had a good time i went to go see it at the alamo as per usual it's what i do normally when i go and see movies nowadays um, went to the Alamo, had a nice, like, dinner and a drink, um, made an event out of it and whatever, um, so that way it was just, you know, fun and relaxing, it was a nice way to spend a Friday night, um, so yeah, it was, like, overall an okay movie, I don't think, like, I want to necessarily see it again, um, for reasons I will get into, but, um, yeah, like, it was another queer story and we do like more queer stories in the zeitgeist and this is obviously a little bit different from fire island because um fire island was i think only released on hulu and it's from like the independent studio for um for fox um or like it's it's called searchlight pictures but like i think so that's the studio that like produced fire island um but like that's not like an actual, like, mainstream studio, I guess, or, like, a big, big movie studio, whereas Bros was actually produced by an actual, like, major movie studio, and as I mentioned before, I have, like, minimal notes here, so, of course, I don't have that, uh, studio, but, like, it's, like, a, a big movie label, I guess you could say, so that's kind of, like, the main difference here, um, it's good that it got, like, the backing that it did, but also, of course, I think that plays into something that I will talk about when we get to, like, or when I get to talking about the negatives of the movie that actually, like, hinder the storytelling as well, um, and I think the other thing that the, the movie did well was that the main character, uh, played by Billy Eichner, um, his name is, the character's name is Bobby, 
um, like he is uh, like a, a fairly well developed character. I think like he's certainly not perfect, and like um, yeah, I don't know. It seems overall he seems like a like a, a nice human character. Like all the all the characters for the most part, or the main characters at least, so like Bobby and then the love interest Aaron. Um, like they seem to be like fairly well rounded and stuff, and like they have a cool relationship. Um, the development of the relationship is interesting. Um, and obviously the whole point of the movie and everything. So like, I think that part, it did well. Um, so that <laughs> very short, little short and sweet, uh, summary of like what I think the movie did well. Um, and now as for like things that I didn't really like slash like things I would love to like talk with more with people about, um, I will preface this by saying that, um, like a lot of the movies and stuff that I've seen, um, before bros and even just like media in general, like consuming like TV shows or, or movies or whatever, um, a lot of it, a lot of it has been centering, um, people of color, and that is really my own deliberate choice. Um, when I watch a movie, I generally try and see movies that feature people of color in, in main roles, and that is deliberate, because, like, I don't really, like, I'm tired of seeing movies that feature only white casts, because, like, for the most part, those don't, really say anything new to me like um there's i know there's a movie co coming out that features like um these people who get like shipwrecked or something and it's a bunch of like white rich white people who get shipwrecked and then they have to um they're like the villains of the movie i think and then like the main cast is the people who work on the ship who also happen to be white which is very interesting just considering like um, if you've never been on a cruise ship, a lot of the ship staff, um, is global. They come from all around the world. They're, like, for the most part, not white. There's, like, um, people from the global south, um, people from, like, the Caribbean, people from Africa, people from Southeast Asia. Um, it, it's generally not white folks, um, who are working on cruise ships. So that's just, like, kind of an interesting sort of, um depiction but yeah like I just feel like movies that feature only like white people don't really have anything new or interesting to say to me um so as a result I like don't really watch movies that only feature white people so um of course I was like you know bros is a movie that features predominantly white folks in the main cast um there are people of color uh, namely they're like predominantly black queer folks who feature in the movie there's one um or two gay asian men um but generally those characters are stereotypes and like caricatures of um of real life people so um yeah, it, it just, like, overall, this movie is really jarring to watch because, like, obviously, I'm a queer man, I'm, I'm gay, and I can relate to some aspects of the movie, um, but also, like, this movie was, like, kind of about me, but also, like, not for me because there there's, like, a lot of the experience that the character of Bobby has is, like, not ever going to happen to me, so... Um, yeah, the first thing that I wanted to talk about in terms of, like, the critique was, um, like I mentioned, a lot of the, or all of the non-white characters who were on screen were caricatures of, like, 
real life people. So like all of there were two um, there are two black trans women featured, um, or actually one black trans woman, one non-binary black f- person, and then um, a couple um, gay black men, and they were all sort of like just stereotypes. Um, the non-binary person was just like their like quote unquote tagline for the movie was just like, "I hear you and I see you," um, and it was just like is this supposed to be funny or like, cause I mean, people do, there are some people who, who speak like that and they genuinely mean it. Like, I know, like I, if I'm trying to make sure that like a friend who's talking to me, like hear, like understand, like I want to make sure that they know that I'm hearing them. Like I'll say that, like I hear you, I see you. Um, and like try and empathize with them. Right. And so like, it just seems like that particular character was used for like comic relief and just to like dispel the tension. Um, and, it was just, yeah, it, and then there was another, um, there's a black trans woman character, and she was used as, like, just comedy, because she was just, like, I'm angry, and, like, I'm just, like, trying to remember, honestly, um, yeah, she was just, like, an angry person, and was, like, sassy and whatever, and I was just, like, okay, well, was this really, like, necessary, like, this didn't bring, a two-dimensional, like, this is, or a three-dimensional version of this character to life. This is actually just a two-dimensional, like, caricature of a person, um, and not, like, beneficial to, to show, and so, like, and then, um, Bone Yang was a minor character in this movie, and it was weird, because he was, like, painted as this eccentric millionaire, billionaire person living in, uh, Cape Town, um, or no, not Cape Town, sorry, Provincetown, um, which is another white queer, uh, vacation destination up in Massachusetts, but, um, yeah, it was just, like, he was painted as this, like, kind of weird eccentric person, and then he, like, there was a comment of, like, you guys are too old to be in the pool at this party, um, which is just weird, because, like, um, I don't know. I, I don't know if this character was written specifically for Bowen um, by Billy Eichner or like because Billy Eichner actually like wrote the movie and everything and starred in it. Um, but like it was just weird to see that character and just that interaction and everything. Um, like it did seem more suited to just like a weirdo white dude um, because that is just generally how race plays out in um, like in the gay community is like. I don't think, I mean, like, there's certainly, um, gay men of all races who sort of play into the whole, like, you're t- not pretty enough to be in this picture or, like, at this party or whatever, but it did feel weird to have it coming from Bowen, um, cause, like, um, so, like, if you guys remember from Fire Island, Bowen plays the character of, uh, Howie, and his, like, his whole thing is, like, I'm not, like, um, conventionally attractive, and, like, people don't really, like, I'm not, I'm not grabbing people's eye and whatever, and, like, I think for, for Joel Kim Booster to write that about his friend and stuff, um, and, like, to acknowledge, like, I don't know, it's, like, one thing to acknowledge that as, like, a fellow Asian person, and then it's, like, another thing to, like, kind of weirdly see past that and, like, and change how, the movie universe sort of sees you, um, so I don't know, it was just, like, Billy Eichner's handling of people of color in the movie just, like, feels really, really weird, and honestly, kind of bad, um, yeah, so, like, 
there was another there was another point um like sort of transition like the thing that people of color deal with um obviously is like a lot of us are like we we talk about racism with each other and like we do it in a way like we um not necessarily we do it okay i'm gonna say this and we'll walk through it right so like we do it in a way that isn't annoying um and by that i mean like you can it's like a human it's like an actual like lived experience and like we communicate it to each other and it's not like the only thing about us right like i do think that um as people of color like we we talk about our experiences with racism and how it's generally negatively impacted our lives but that's not like the only thing that we're focused on like we are three-dimensional people there are other like we have other interests and because like you know racism and like oppression isn't something that should be like i mean sure maybe it can be something like you're really passionate about but like everyone is human and so like people are multi-dimensional and multifaceted and have all sorts of different things that they like talking about um and this was my issue with Billy Eichner's character, Bobby, he is, like, he really feels, like, this weird, like, satirization of, like, the social justice warrior, but, like, as a white gay man, um, who, like, is, you know, a little annoying and whatever, and is just always talking about, like, oh, our queer story, like, gay stories have been erased from history, like, which is true, like, I mean, like, all the things that Bobby mentions and, like, brings to the fore are actually important and very valid, um, and also at the same time, it's weird just because, like, the movie just seems to flatten him down to just this one character trait, and, like, that's, not generally how things are in real life. Like, I talk about racism a lot with friends and whatever, and, like, my, my like, you know, experiences dealing with racism, but, like, that's not all I talk about. Like, for example, on Pod, like, you guys hear me talk about and, like, get excited about movies and video games and other, like, pop culture stuff. Like, that is, like, you know, one part of my interest and, like, one part of me as a, as a human being, I'm not always talking about racism and how, um, or, like, other systems of oppression or, like, transphobia or, like, homophobia or whatever, like, that, it's certainly important to address, but, like, that's not, like, my sole defining trait, um, and really, like, the, I'm gonna have to look up the quote here, um, there's a famous quote from Toni Morrison about racism, um, and really this goes for really any system of oppression, that function, that various serious function of racism is distraction. It keeps you from doing your work. It keeps you explaining over and over again your reason for being. Somebody says you have no language and you spend 20 years proving that you do. Somebody says your head isn't shaped properly, so you have scientists working on the fact that it is. Somebody says you have no art, so you dredge that up. Somebody says you have no kingdoms, so you dredged that up. None of this is necessary. There will always be one more thing. So I find that this really, you know, that it, it really summarizes, I feel like, a lot of people of color's experiences with racism and then especially queer people of color's experiences with racism intersection with homophobia or queerphobia like there's always we're always trying to justify like why we belong or whatever and it's always just a distraction from what's really happening or like the the issue at hand and so like as a result it's never the main thing that we focus on it's never like 
the defining part of our identity. We are not just the person who talks about, like, for me, it's like, I'm not just the person who talks about anti-Asian racism, or I'm not just the person who talks about homophobia, or the intersection of anti-Asian racism and homophobia, or just, like, racism and homophobia in general. Like, that's not my sole characteristic, but, like, for whatever reason, the way Billy Eichner wrote his character, that is, like, the only thing that this person is passionate about, which is, like, cool. Like, I, gay history is great, and, like, yeah, that is, like, important to uncover these parts of history that, like, are actually, that people thought, you know, oh, this is XYZ way before, and then, you know, we get to look at it from a queer lens and say, actually, this this person, this historical figure is actually queer because of XYZ reason and, and everything. Like, that is important, but, like, to flatten yourself down to, like, only that, um, to flatten the character down, like, that just felt weird. There was a line specifically, I think, said by Bobby, where he's like, nobody understands satire anymore, um, and, like, it was at that point in the movie theater that I looked at the ceiling, like, halfway through my burger, and I was just like, am I going to leave this movie? Like, am I going to just, like, stop watching? Because I'm just not having a good time. Um, because, like, honestly, a lot of the way the movie went, I felt like I was kind of being, like, made fun of. Because, um, like, yes, there are, like I said, with Bobby's passion about, like, queer erasure from history like that is something that is very interesting and like being socially aware of the injustices that are present in this country like that is something that I think queer people of color and people of color especially black folks tend to get and black and indigenous folks tend to be very well acquainted with and so like it just felt like a mockery of that and so I just remember sitting, like I said, I remember sitting there just being like, am I going to leave this movie? Like, I can't, I'm not, like, I didn't end up leaving, um, and yeah, so, like, it just, it felt bad watching some parts of it, just because it was very much just like, hmm, this is what Billy Eichner thinks of these people, and, like, the way that it came across to the movie, like, to, to the audience was, like, there's a scene where, Bobby, Billy's character, goes to dinner with Aaron's family for Christmas, and Aaron's mom, I think, like, they're supposed to, like, be from upstate New York or something, so Aaron's mom is a second grade teacher, and Bobby is talking to Aaron's mom about history, and then he's just like, oh, you know, I think it'd be cool to, like, actually talk to second graders about queer history, you know, which is a very valid point, and then, you know, they get into a little argument, and the usual answer comes from Aaron's mom, which is they're too young. They shouldn't learn about this stuff, um, which obviously, like, children of color have to learn about racism at a very early age because they're immediately treated different from their white peers because white kids learn these behaviors from their white parents. So, like, basically, at whatever age, like, these children of color have to learn that they are different from these white kids. Like, it, you know, basically, white kids are coddled and like they don't have to face any of this explanation and like the talks about like the world is going to treat you different because you look a different way from people um so like yeah it's a valid point that like yeah you know we could we could introduce these people these kids to queer history very early on i think that's very valuable um but like they get into a heated argument and like basically this whole character trait of like 
being a social justice warrior is pointed out as the flaw. And as I said before, like people of color, I think, tend to be able to talk about this and not be annoying about it because it's not the only thing that we fixate on. Whereas like Bobby's char- Bobby's character, the entire movie just focuses on like this is like his central like focus point, which is fine, but also just like it's written in a way that is very grating and very annoying. And it just, like I said, it doesn't feel genuine. It doesn't feel like, it doesn't, it, it just doesn't feel good. Um, and it feels like we are being mocked and made fun of. And so as a result, it's just like, mm, you know, Fire Island, in my opinion, is a better movie because it was able to tell a story about a queer person of color without like, alienating people and then without like you know making anybody feel like oh you're annoying because you are in tune with like the actual injustices going on in the world so um yeah that's like one of my big major things the other um major thing that um i think fire island kind of broached a little bit and that bros completely did not is at the beginning of bros um so you know, you can look up Billy Eichner. He's certainly not, like, the hottest man on earth. In fact, like, most people think he's, an, uh, maybe not most, but, like, a lot of people think he's annoying. He's not, like, he's okay looking. He's not ripped. His voice is a little grating. Um, and then you compare him to his co-star, Luke McFarland, who, like, is ripped. He's quite handsome. Um, he's got a nice voice. He's got a nice body, whatever, right? Um, but at the beginning of the movie, there's a comment on, like, oh, why is it that gay men are, like, so superficial, blah, 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 or something like that. I don't remember exactly, but, like, so the movie kind of opens with that, and it's Billy Eichner's character talking to, like, a fat, older white dude at a gay bar, and then it's, like, I don't know, it sets the tone of, like, oh, maybe this movie will challenge that, and, like, the main character, you know, might be different, because the other thing that the movie starts off with, like, is we're gay people, we're different than straight people, and we can't just have, like, a romance between gay men is not going to be the same as a romance between, like, a straight man and a woman, which, like, I agree with, um, but, like, there was, like, overall, these two, like, sort of thesis statements, like, were not really ever explored and or, like, proved through the movie, because, so, I'm gonna focus more on the attraction part first. Like I said, Luke McFarland is, like, pretty hot. Like, that is one draw for him, for Bobby, throughout the movie, is that Aaron is hot, and, like, he's, like, very conventionally desirable. Uh, They have, like, there are two scenes where Bobby joins Aaron in, like, a threesome, or, like, basically, you know, hooking up with multiple people, and I don't know, it's just weird to, to see this person be like, oh, well, I'm not attractive, and, um, I'm not able to, like, you know, get the attention that I want, but then here he is, like, having sexual encounters, and, like, over the course of the movie, developing a deeply intimate relationship with this person who is, like, hot by normal standards. Um, so that was just kind of weird to, to see, and, um, like, I mean, it's Hollywood, like, people have to be attractive, that is something I understand, um, like, you're not going to get a movie with somebody, like, who is not conventionally attractive because, like, I don't know, like, that's, that's just not how Hollywood works, right? Hollywood is, is a bunch of, like, 
really overly beautiful people. So, like, I understand that. Um, but, like, I do think that um, with Fire Island, at least, and sorry, I'm, like, comparing contra contrasting these two movies because, like, they're the two most, like, recent queer titles that I've seen. But, like, Fire Island, I feel like, took those ideas of, like, attractiveness and turned them on their heads a little bit because, like, Conrad Ricamora is quite attractive, you know, not... And I would say by... Um, you know, both by conventional standards and also, like, there is, it's not like he's unilaterally, he's not universally attractive. Like, there are certainly people, and by people I mean folks who are racist, who will be like, he doesn't have this XYZ feature, his eyes aren't blue, his, his hair isn't blonde, you know, he's not hot enough for me. He's too short, whatever. Same thing could be said of Joel Kim Booster or um, Bone Yang. Like, basically comparing them to what is beautiful in a white man and saying, like, okay, this person doesn't measure up to that. And so, like, I don't know, Fire Island really, for me at least, was able to mention, like, for Bo and Yang's character, Howie, he, like, has an explicit, a scene where he explicitly says, like, I'm not hot like you, because Joel Kim Booster is, like, quite conventionally attractive as well. He's just like, I'm not uh, like you. Like, I can't attract people just because of the way that I look. And so my experience is different from yours. And it was just weird to see that, like, this experience wasn't really mirrored in Bros, because, like I said, Billy Eichner looks like Billy Eichner. He's not, like the hottest man on earth so it is kind of weird to see him like his character like pull Aaron because like in the real world especially since like these are two gay men in Manhattan like Aaron is not going to like at least the way that I the way that I've experienced things right Aaron is not going to give Bobby a single shred of attention because like Bobby's not like basically it's just like Aaron wouldn't want to be seen with Bobby because then it's like oh like you're into this person who isn't as attractive as you or whatever it's just like weird social politics and like politics of attraction and everything so unrealistic um and yeah I like and then of course there was a, a minor thing thrown in um where they were having a threesome during like a Christmas or no they were having a foursome during a Christmas party um it was uh, Aaron, Aaron's, uh, childhood crush, or, like, high school crush, um, had just come out, and so they were hooking up with him, and then, like, this, like, little, like, random dude, like, managed to insert himself into the experience as well, and it was, like, I don't know what race this person was, but, like, he was non-white, and he was just, like, awkwardly inserting himself into the picture, and, like, it was used as comedic relief, and I don't know, it just, like, felt shitty to see this person, like, being used as comedic relief, um, and just, like, to know that, like, this is how white gays view, like, gay men of color, um, so, yeah, that obviously didn't feel good, so that's, like, not question, like, like I said, the whole thing was that the movie had sought to, like, challenge is just, like, oh, um, you know, the like why do these people like go for people who look like them or whatever or like are attracted to a certain thing and then this movie just didn't challenge that and then the other half of that was um billy's billy Eichner's character bobby saying oh you know gay stories are different from straight love stories we can't like you can't just have a normal rom-com about them um and of course meanwhile 
Bros, like, is actually a pretty stereotypical rom-com. You could really, like, substitute either Bobby or Aaron out for, like, a man or a woman, and it would, like, or sorry, like, you could substitute either of their characters out for, like, a woman, and it would be, like, a very stereotypical rom-com. Actually, I think you'd substitute out Bobby's character with a rob uh, with a with a woman, and, like, it would be a very stereotypical rom-com of just, like, oh, um we're getting along really well and then like um everything seems good and then we have an issue like there's the old old romantic love interest old ro like love interest from the past and um like there's tension there and then there's a conflict and then they break up and then they're both sad about it and then like at the end there's a dramatic gesture that is made and the dramatic gesture for bros is so bobby is the head curator for um the gay museum or like a in in universe there's a museum of gay history that's opening in new york city and that's like the one of the like plots subplots in the movie um is like getting exhibits together and so there's an opening gala and um like so bobby's giving like a speech and then aaron shows up because aaron like um, you know, up until this point, like, they had been together, things had gone well, and then there's the, the dinner time, like, Christmas fiasco with Bobby and Aaron, as well as, like, um, Aaron hooking up with his high school crush, or, like, his high school crush really, like, pushing himself on Aaron, um, and, like, Bobby being upset about that and everything, um, so up until this point, like, they haven't really talked, really, and, like, haven't really mended their relationship, so, um, Bobby is giving his speech at the gala, and Aaron is, like, rushing in, and he's, like, obviously, like, the least well-dressed person there, because he just, like, goes, um, he just, like, runs out from his apartment, or whatever, and then, um, Bobby sees him, and is, like, about to cry, and then he's just, like, oh, let me sing a song, and, like, so they both do this, like, stupid dramatic gesture for each other, um, and then it just ends up being, like, your same normal rom-com story. It's just, like, really weird that Billy Eichner was like, I'm gonna challenge all of these things, and then he just doesn't. Um, and I don't know if that was intentional, because, like I said, this movie is produced by a major film studio, so, like, unfortunately, the way that things work in Hollywood, there's a lot of back and forth in terms of, like, the notes and everything that come back from higher up, because the create like the head people at these studios are not creatives they are people who are overseeing the money and they basically want to take the the least amount of risk possible which is why you're seeing all sorts of just garbage movies coming out from a lot of the major studios like um you know we had the emoji movie we had angry birds movie disney is doing live action reboots of all their old animated shit half because like they don't want to explore anything new and then the other half is because their ceo thinks that animation is only for kids um which like that should honestly be another episode that i do because animation can be for animations for for everybody it's a completely like valid art medium but anyways like yeah like since this movie had to like be mainstream like go through the mainstream studios like a lot of cis white men had to touch this and give their input and insight to basically i don't know maybe billy eichner's original script was like very powerful and there were like punches and and stuff and like 
things ended up different, but, like, the way that this is, this was really watered down, um, which I think is, like, my overall complaint about this movie, is just, like, this movie, like, also, even the way that Billy Eichner, like, marketed it, he's just like, straight people should see this, otherwise you're homophobic, and it's like, um, no, that shouldn't be the main reason why you're seeing a movie, it should be because it looks interesting and that you want to, like, know what happens, and, like, you know, movies are here for entertainment. It should, at its, like, at baseline, be entertaining. Which, as I said, Bros is, for the most part, entertaining. Um, I would say, like, it's about 80% entertaining and then, like, 20% unbearable. Um, and, like, if you hit that unbearable part, then, like, and you can't make it past that, I totally don't fault you for, like, just stopping the movie, because, like, like I said, I contemplated leaving the movie theater, um, but yeah, anyways, like, overall, the movie is just, like, it's okay, but also, it's, like, it tries to set out to do things and, like, disrupt things, but ultimately doesn't, and, um, I think that is sort of, I mean, on one hand, I'm disappointed, but also on the other hand, like, I know this movie isn't explicitly, like, about me, right? Because, like, I think, as of right now, Fire Island is sort of the only movie that's quote-unquote for me and about me, um, and, like, I enjoyed the movie, and I do want to watch it again, but I don't have Hulu, so I can't, like, I, I used up my free, um, my free trial period, so I can't, use Hulu anymore to watch Fire Island, but, like, that movie was more for me, and I felt more seen by that movie than this movie, whereas very much just like I mentioned earlier, like, I've been watching stuff that, like, features people of color, um, and, like, I've been really nourishing, like, that sort of perspective, and so, like, seeing this movie where it's just, like, it's a white gay man, and, like, there was just, like, no divorce of the, like, white experience from the queerness was, like, just very disruptive to me, um, and so, like, I don't know, it was kind of funny feeling, like, being, like, walking out of the movie theater and then being, like, oh, is this the way that, like, white people, like, feel when they see movies, like, Everything Everywhere All at Once, or, like, Turning Red, or Crazy Rich Asians, or something, like, it was, or, or Encanto, or, like, you know, any other movie that feature, or even Black Panther, you know, other movies that feature, like, people of color predominantly, like, they feel, like, this disconnected, um, so, yeah, I don't know, like, it was, it was fun, like I said, I wouldn't see it again, <laughs> I, like, it was a way to spend a couple of hours, um, I, I guess overall, I'm, like, still waiting to, to have a movie where I feel seen, um, because a lot of the, like, things that I would like a movie about a gay, like, person of color experience to cover would be to like really talk about okay well the gay community has a really big racism issue as well as a, a big issue with um attractiveness and and like systems of beauty or like beauty sorry that's just like a weird way of saying beauty standards um like there's a huge issue with like beauty standards and desirability and everything in gay culture um and I feel like living in New York City, like, living in Hell's Kitchen, honestly, is, like, such a, you see that brought into, I mean, that it, that is just, like, the lifeblood of Hell's Kitchen, it's, like, a whole bunch of, like, white gay men parading around their white gay boyfriends who look almost exactly like them, um, like, the gym that I go to is very gay, 
Um, and, like, it, it's fine, because it gives me lots of, like, nice people to look at, but, like, none of those people will give me th- the time of day, because, like, I'm Asian, I'm short, I'm not ripped, um, like, I don't know, it just, there's none of that sort of, um, I haven't seen a story that really covers that sort of, like, acknowledgement of those sort of pillars in gay culture like fire island kind of did that um like i said there was that one scene with howie and noah where howie says like i'm not like you people treat me differently because i look the way i do um and that is like the bare minimum acknowledgement um i think that joel kim booster like does understand the the like experience of being like a gay asian man but also like um, like, in his own words, he knew he was gay before he was Asian, um, and I think that sometimes shows a lot with, like, the people he hangs out with, and, like, the people, like, the, the, the jokes that he tells, and, like, the way that some of the stories are shared is very much just, like, hmm, okay, so you're coming at, like, gay culture from, like, a white perspective, which, like, there's nothing wrong with that, and, like, I do think it is great that Joel acknowledges that perspective, and also, at the same time, there are certainly, like, Fire Island, a lot of Noah's character is very much, like, participating in white gay culture, um, and, like, it's just tough to continue to see that and just, like, you know, not see any other experience when, in reality, obviously, like, there are gay people of color, there are queer people of color, and our experiences are not all universal, and I would love to have more, you know, overall, overall, like, just to sort of, like, wind down on this topic, right, like, overall, I think there needs to be more queer stories, especially queer stories focusing on people of color's experiences, because, like, we are multifaceted, and we are, we are very diverse, and we have so many, we come from so many different backgrounds, and to sequester the queer experience to only a white lens is quite unfair, honestly, so, um, that is it for, um, all of my thoughts on bros right now, I might have other folks on to talk about it, um, in the future, so I'm gonna take another quick break, and then we'll be back with the end of the show. All right, and we are back from the break. Um, okay, so I am going to, so for the last segment of the show, call I call it What's Your Nonsense? And normally, um, or before, um, it was basically talking about things that, you know, that you're into that no one else seems to be into. Um, but I'm going to tack on something for, uh, tack on a, a modifier here, just like something that like makes you happy or like really sort of like, helps you feel seen and just overall makes you happy um, because there's a lot of tough stuff going on in the world and I do think that um, it's important to focus on things that that bring joy and and bring happiness into your life. So um, two things from me this week, as I mentioned before at the top of the episode, um, Bayonetta was really fun. There's like the whole controversy about Bayonetta 3, um, but one of the other main characters in Bayonetta 3 is played by a trans voice actor. Um, her name is Anna Brisbane, and um, like it, I didn't know that this person was involved, and so obviously she was like, hey, Helena Taylor is asking you to donate to anti-abortion charities. Let's actually donate to um, charities that support trans people because um, 
a lot of the stuff that, uh, or a lot of the uh, charities that um, Helena Taylor had proposed were, as I mentioned, not necessarily right wing, but they were not, um, they're, they're like of that nature. So like people did digging and Helena Taylor's like pro-police, anti-abortion, um, and sort of like all the stuff that comes with that sort of territory, if you know what those sorts of people are into. Um, so yeah, Anna Brisbane was just like, hey, why don't we donate to pro-trans, uh, charities that like, you know, are helping people, like, um, helping marginalized people the way that Bayonetta would, like, would help people who are trying to, st- you know, stand, standing up for, like, what's right and what's good. So, um, that's obviously something that's really amazing and really great. Um, so there's, like, uh, there's that. I know, at least for, for my final sort of feeling on Bayonetta 3, I'm not going to purchase it until, like, about a year after, so, like, maybe next October, like, maybe a few months from now or whatever, when I can purchase it used, so that way the money doesn't go directly to Platinum Studios, um, because they shouldn't be lowballing, um, voice actors for their work, and, yeah, so there's that, um, sort of win, and then, um, my other, other piece that I wanted to really plug is, um, as I mentioned during the episode, this uh, bro, like this episode, Bros was really kind of jarring because it was a story where I didn't feel seen and I didn't like feel like I could really connect with people or like connect with the characters, especially because I felt like I was being mocked the whole time. Um, I do think that. Um, there are stories that don't feature people of color, like, I'm sorry, I have to, like, I feel like I have to do this stupid, like, not all white people, uh, disclaimer, but, like, there are certainly white stories that, like, don't feel, don't feel this bad, like, Shape of Water, even though, like, I do feel like Shape of Water had, like, some people of color overtones a little bit, mostly because, like, you're dealing with the fish man who's not white, (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. The overall, I I think um, if you're a person of color or queer person of color, really do your best to try and find stories that resonate with you and your identity. Um, really, I, w- I would encourage trying to, to use my rule of um, not seeing movies or, like, engaging with media if there's no, like person of color in a in a main role um i do think that sure it cuts down your options a lot but like the options that you do find they do end up like speaking to you and like making you feel seen um i i think it's really important to have all that um whether it be like tv show or like movies or um what i also have done is like for my podcasts i always or like i try to make sure that i'm listening to podcasts from like people who are generally non-white. I think really the only podcast that I turn it, tune into that features white folks is The Bald and the Beautiful with Trixie Mattel and Katya. Um, and, like, Trixie Mattel is white passing, but, like, she also is native. Um, and, and, and then, of course, Katya is just a white person. Um, but, like, they, for the most part, like, are fairly unproblematic um they do say have some gaffes every now and then but like yeah i don't know just like find the media that like really speaks to your identity and really like helps you feel seen um and appreciated because um 
yeah, once you do, I feel like once you do that, there's a lot of room for growth and development and like embracing your identity and really like loving your identity that comes along with it. Um, I was doing a uh, look back at like my old, some of my old tweets on Twitter and I found a tweet that was like, oh, you know, I want to aspire to be more connected with um, Asian cultural tastemaker, Asian American cultural tastemakers on Twitter. And like, that was, I think, three or four years ago. And now three or four years later, I am like connected with a lot more Asian American creatives than I was before. I'm consuming content from them. And like, I'm also trying to do that myself. I have my essay out on sexual racism on Joy Sauce, and I'm trying to work on like another essay um, talking about uh, found family. Um, so yeah, just like, I think it's important to embrace those, those stories and really, um, really seek them out because, uh, yeah, like it'll just make you feel seen, make you feel honestly just better. Um, and if you happen to be white and you're wondering how you can like sort of engage with that, I would say try your best to find stories that are focused on people of color. Um, and find those stories, um, from non-mainstream sources. Um, as I mentioned briefly before, during the talk about bros, um, the more major something is, the more sort of revision and more filtration it has to go through. Um, so you're not really going to get the sort of like actual raw unadulterated story from the creator you're gonna get this version that has had to be frankensteined through the whole process because white executives like filter everything um like because they're so concerned with their studio making money um so you know maybe some things have have to be removed for like because like an executive thought like oh someone's aunt out in Iowa is not gonna like that and and honestly with a lot of the queer people of color stories like who the fuck cares about your aunt out in Iowa I don't like I don't care if she likes it or not it's what happened to me and that's what's important because like you know maybe there's an Asian kid out in Iowa who will actually feel seen by my story or by, you know, whatever story that is being put out there by, like, a queer person of color um, or a, a story about a queer person of color that has not been, like, filtered through that, like, white executive level. So, um, yeah, just try and and find those stories. Um, I would say, like, really look at following artists from those communities on Twitter or Tumblr or Instagram or whatever, just really try and seek those people out. Um, and of course, if you have friends who are people of color, like reach out to them and, and like ask them what their favorite like stories are. Cause like, I know I have, um, a couple, like a couple comics from Comic-Con that are written specifically by Asian American people. And like, they are, you know, th those stories are, are very, very well done. And I think those have been like a gateway into helping me find more artists. Like basically once you have one foothold, like you can use that to sort of dive headfirst into the whole universe because then you're going to have people like 
those artists are going to say like, oh, these people inspired me or like, I love this particular series. And like, you can keep exploring and the pool gets bigger and bigger. Um, I would say, I, I mean, use that advice for really anybody is just like, take a look at your favorite artists and, and authors or podcasters or whatever, and like, see what stuff they're into. And that will ex continue to like expand your um, sort of reach and um, what's accessible to you, what you know about um, for media from um, non-white people. So um, that is, <laughs> that is my nonsense. Um, so if you, liked and enjoyed the show thank you so much for listening this far the best way to support the show is um by donation on patreon you can go to nonsense and or patreon.com slash nonsense and noise pod um there are three tiers of support tier one earns you a shout out on the episode and since the last recording there has been one new patron so welcome to the patron patreon family nico ortiz uh thank you so much for your donation um and looking forward to um looking forward to having you as part of the support thank you so much for um for your help um so that's tier one tier two uh gets you ac access to bonus episodes so i um every there Every once in a while, I might record a bonus episode that is going to be specific to the Patreon feed um, that is not going to be public. So Tier 2 gets you access to those episodes, and then Tier 3 um, will get you uh, the ability to propose ideas for topics to me. Um, and in the past, uh, past topics that have been proposed are Boys Love um, and Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, there's gonna, I still have one more episode or actually, I have two episodes planned for the Avatar topic, two more episodes at least. Um, one of them should be coming hopefully in December. Um, that friend will, uh, who is going to talk about Korra should be uh, available in December and might get a couple episodes out of her. So that is a Patreon. If you like, um, if you want to get more of me, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch. Um, it's the same handle uh, across all three platforms at Kato, not Kato, K-A-H-T-O-N-O-T-K-A-Y-T-O. -O. Um, I think I streamed a little bit earlier in October when I got Bayonetta, and they haven't <laughs> streamed since. So um, I'll be trying to do, trying to, to stay a little bit more up-to-date with streaming and, and actually, like, playing through some of the, the video games that I still need to play through. Um, and uh, Twitter is kind of a sinking ship at this point, I feel. Um, but I'm still planning to stick around on Twitter just because it is a decent enough platform and I feel like that's where like everybody is. Um, and uh, I occasionally post stuff on Instagram, but not very frequently. So if you, I think Twitter is probably the best place to follow me. So um, thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day slash night and um, hope to talk to you guys again soon. Thanks. Bye.